0: Welcome to the Virtual CPA Success Show, where we're 100% focused on helping service-based businesses achieve success. Are you a business owner interested in learning how to scale your business? Has your business reached over
1: $1 million in annual revenue? Then this podcast is for you. Hello, everybody. Welcome to today's podcast. Today, you have uh, Jamie and Jody here from Summit CPA. And we're going to do a deeper dive on a topic that we've briefly touched on in the past. And um, we're going to continue to do this as we uh, roll forward on these podcasts. We've had a lot of um, high level on some some topics, but obviously, the more you know about a topic, the, the better it is to act on it. So today, we're going to work on average bill rate and kind of talk through on um, what that means and ways to improve it and kind of how to how to gauge whether you have a strong average bill rate or a, um, a weak average bill rate. So um, Jody, you just want to start off with the real um, basic calculation. I know we've covered this before, but just kind of give the basics of a, an average bill rate.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, no
1: worries. So a lot of times when we
0: talk at conferences, when we ask for everybody's average bill rate, uh, we get a lot of different numbers out there. And the most common number that they give us is not in the dollar amount, but what they call average bill rate that, that they're referring to a lot of times is what they're, what they're actually billing a client, which is what we call our standard bill rate. And so a standard bill rate is you know if I'm gonna if I'm gonna bill a client two hundred dollars per hour, that's the standard bill rate. If I've got you know, many different standard bill rates, let's say my architect is $200 an hour, my dev is 175, my design is 250, whatever that might be, that would be considered a blended uh, standard bill rate. So kind of getting that idea, uh, what we're talking today is not really what you're charging a client, but what you're actually realizing from that sale. So an average bill rate is technically the definition is taking your total revenue and dividing it by the number of billblowers so it's very simple calculation everybody can do it if you've got uh, a good time in billing software that you can just look at your total billable hours for a period you can do that uh, for the um, you know for the whole company as to get your average bill for the company you can do that by different Projects to get uh, the average bill rate, uh, average bill rate for a project. So it's really a a simple calculation, uh, but we have to make sure that when we're talking in this episode, that we're
1: actually talking apples and apples: uh, average bill rate versus a standard bill rate or a blended standard bill rate. And yeah, and I think the the important thing to note here too is, is, is standard bill rate does matter for when it comes to your average bill rate. You know, again, when you, you know, part of this conversation will be is how to increase that standard bill rate because it does help your average bill rate. But if you're going out there charging uh trying to charge 300 dollars an hour but then not charging half your hours then obviously your average bill rate is going to be um <laughs> deeply reducted from there so it is important that we are focusing on that average bill rate because it is important that that's ultimately what you're collecting it doesn't matter what you charge or what you say you're going to charge what matters is what you actually collect so that's why we're going to focus on that average bill rate
0: yeah for sure and i had a client uh send me a slack message the other day uh, and and she was asking you know what what is our what is our average bill rate or what should our average bill rate be that was a major initiative for them and it really comes down to you know, one, how much are you charging? You know, what do you feel that you can charge a client? So that's going to be a, a, on the sales side of it. And then the other part of it is going to be really what's your effective cost? You know, what, how much do you actually pay your employees? You know, because if you if you're outsourcing your entire team maybe to a, a country that has a lower a lower cost, then in that case your average bill rate doesn't need to be where everybody else is at. It could be a lot lower because you're going to actually your profit margin is going to be relatively the same if you reduce it based on that gap between the effective cost and your average bill rate so it's important to know you know it's, it's important to understand your company before you just come out and ask hey what should my average bill rate be because there's a lot that goes into it uh, outside of just looking and say hey what is everyone else charging you know that's not the, that's not the way that I would do it at least you might find you have a competitive edge if you charge less and make more, or if you charge more because you've got a higher, uh, higher quality staff, you know, or higher, more expensive staff. I guess is probably a better term. Uh, you may have to charge more. You know, you may not have that option of charging less. And so it's important to understand what that average bill rate is, and, and more importantly, to understand really what your average, what your effective
1: cost is, so that you can, you know, basically determine that, that, that average bill rate. Yeah. And it, it's something I've worked with clients on as well is having a sliding scale here, you know, like, especially a lot of factors can play into making that average bill one, average bill rate better than the other. You know, if you're going to have a, a one month contract and that one month is all that's guaranteed, then maybe you want to go with a higher average bill rate, or if that client is just a one month client, but it's, it's in your industry, it's someone you could impress and turn that into a long lasting three-year contract. Maybe you're willing to go a little lower. Or on the other side, if you're in initial um, contract negotiations and someone's looking for a one-year deal, you might be willing to accept a little less because you get that guaranteed revenue for the next twelve months, and it's something that um, is going to, you know, you're going to be able to forecast, you know, you're going to be able to predict. And having that um, lower rate there, so a lot of times I've worked with clients on first establishing that ideal average bill rate, and then kind of going scales, like what could tip the scale one way or the other, and just having little calculations in there while they're doing the negotiating to be like. A, this client's going to pay us fast. They promised, ten, they promised 10 day terms. Two, it's going to last a year. Let's go to the um, level C where we're not going to charge our normal 200, we're going to charge them 180 because we have all these positive factors in there. So that's a thing that I've worked on with clients, something you could easily do on your own if you understand that base average bill rate.
0: Yeah, and I'd also say if, you, if you're in a situation where maybe uh, you've got you know a, a cliff you know, where maybe a project's falling off and you've got maybe 15 days before the next project starts, it's not a bad idea taking a very small average bill rate just to fill that time you know that's a lot better than no bill rate at all and so you know that might be one of those you know pet projects like let's say maybe the church down the street needs some help on a project you know obviously your bill rates way higher than they can afford uh, but you've got this little area if they're willing to work within that uh, gap you know you could use that 15 days and and do their project at a little low, much lower again much better getting nothing or getting something than nothing right I mean that, that's the uh, that's the idea there so don't don't fool yourself and think that hey um, we, we can we can't lower a price because it's going to lower our average bill rate you know again
1: zero is a lot worse than getting you know maybe a hundred dollars when your average bill rate is normally 200. And I think going back to um, Jody's point earlier, like understanding what that break-even average bill rate is, is super important. And again, knowing what your costs are and knowing, um, really understanding your income statement, you can kind of back into, okay, you know, yeah, 180 gets us to that 50% gross profit, which is great. But if we need to fill some time or we're in a really bad time where the last three months, we just had no projects come through with obviously right now, a couple of clients are working with that because of the um, current economy. So like you could say, I, you know, I'd rather have my team here and working on something than not doing anything. So understanding that, you know, um, that uh, break even costs or rate is super important as well. And just as it also gives you that scale. Kind of when I was talking about the 200, if you know the lowest you can go and break even is 110, then you know that you never want to go lower than that, obviously.
0: So. Yeah, for sure. And to Jamie's point there, it's important to know that. But in the same in the same regard, I'll take a loss for 15 days if I get yeah. money in the door. I mean, I'd have no problem with that. Just as long as it's not a long-term deal. If it's a long-term deal, Absolutely not. You got to actually make sure you know what that break even is. You've got to know what your bill rate is and you've got to be able to command your bill rate. You can't take a loss or a really small, small margin on a long term contract as more likely that would uh, that's going to lead to a, a disaster in the end.
1: Yeah. And I think one other thing, one last thing I have on the um, kind of the what you charge clients part of this calculation is, is I've I have a couple clients that have multiple different industries or multiple different sectors. Um, and they, they make sure that they get a lot on kind of the, um, the big companies. If they're working with a Facebook or a Google or, a, um, you know, Ford or some of these large companies, those companies will be willing to pay more. Um, so you can, you can charge them a little more. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing unethical about that. That's just the type of work you're doing there. That, that work is more valuable and it's more valuable to them and they're going to pay you a little more for that. App, then you know you can blend that with some startups so if your industry is doing large um, companies but also startups you're not going to charge your startup the same that you would those large companies So just to understand those two things and really have that part of the, your scale as well just to know because a, a startup is never going to pay the same rate as a Facebook it's just it's not going to happen just because of, of where they're at for sure for sure so anything else on kind of finding that um, standard bill rate Jody and, and pricing it for, for clients that we need to talk about before we kind of get into write downs and once you, once the job has started
0: no, I think it's it's just important that the communication between the the sales and the project manager, account manager, they've all it's got to be completely a transparent uh, transaction. Because what happens is, and we're going to talk about write ups here in a write ups, hopefully write ups in a second, um, it, which we obviously know that's not generally the case. But uh, it's it, it's important that it's really on the very front of the engagement. So we recommend always having you know the, the project manager you know whoever's leading that project in on the sales discussion so or signing off on it uh before it's actually brought down to them because what or her because that's going to really potentially lead to some uh, major write-offs or write-downs if uh, there's something missing the scope's changing a little bit um you know miscommunication that sort of thing so we we definitely want to make sure that on the front end looking for your price make sure that the sales and uh, project managers involved in the, in that discussion.
1: Yeah, that, that's, that's a great lead in because that's what we're going to talk about next is that write down, write up. And I think you're 100% right. I think the um, the first step to that is having the PMs and having people who understand the project involved in the sales process. That's, that's the number one tip that I always give people is you know, I can't tell you how many times. I've been in a revenue rec meeting and we're talking about percent complete. And I hear the the PM complaining about the salesperson. He's like, I don't know why they sold at this rate. Right? There's no way I'm ever going to do it. And it's like, well, my first comment is, is, well, how, why aren't you involved in that process? Why aren't you, um, why can't, how can we build our controls better? So we don't get those type of jobs. And again, sometimes they're okay. We talked about that. If it's that, you know, client you've been trying to work with for six months now, sometimes you're willing to take a little bit of a, a write down on it. But, um, ultimately that to me, that's the first step is it's just understanding, um, what, goes into that um, pricing model. So that that's that's key. And so, Jody, do you want to talk a little bit more about what leads to those write-ups and write-downs and what exactly we're talking about there just to make sure our audience um, understands that part of the calculation?
0: Yeah, for sure. So when we say write-off, um, we're not talking about a bad debt situation. We're not talking about after the project's over, the company fails to pay you. We're not talking about that. Uh, what we are talking about is What was expected to be billed out and what actually does get billed out, the difference between your standard rate and your average bill rate. So when you do your calculation, you know, if everybody does that, look at your total revenue divided by total billable hours, and then it, it comes out to 200, let's say it comes out exactly to $200 an hour, and that's what you're billing your clients, high five, you're getting exactly what you're billing. Uh, I would guess that if everybody does that, that's not gonna be the case. And you're gonna probably find big swings in there. What we we like to say is that big swing really should not be more than five to 10%. If it's over 10%, there's some major, major issues that you've gotta correct. And and don't look at it as being a one-off all the time because everything becomes one-offs. You know, just look, do a deep dive and figure out, hey, you know, where did we go wrong? Where are we going wrong? Where can we fix the issue? Because there, there's definitely an issue. But if we're between zero to 5%, probably not a huge issue at all. You know, probably something you can live with. I wouldn't worry about it too much and I'm not gonna lose any sleep over it. And I'm really not gonna lose any sleep when it gets up close to that 10%. But But I will start losing it. When it gets, you know, greater than ten percent, and so, you know, there's a lot of reasons for, you know, wh- why you might not be getting that, that complete thing. You know, we, we just talked about the sales to the, you know, the miscommunication. You know, the communication gap between sales or biz dev and project management. That's one, and that's that's a big one. Uh, the other one is is basically just managing the project. You know, project may be going over scope. And uh, instead of billing for it or getting approval before we add extra stuff, uh, we go ahead and do it and then find out afterwards we can 't actually bill for it or we didn't we decided not to bill for it and we 're all guilty of that we always want to provide you know, a, a service that's cooler, better than, than and you basically show that we can actually do it. And so we want to provide that. But unfortunately, we have got to make sure that if we're providing something better than what we're scoping, uh, we've got to make sure that we actually get paid for or get approval before we do it. Because a lot of times it leads down to a rabbit hole that, uh, you know, is it, going to cost us in the end. And that's where we start. You know, that's where we have a, a big write-up or, right, unfortunately, a big write-down in that case
1: so um yeah i think to that point the, the big thing the key there is is communication with the client you know if as you're going through it like the whole team needs to be in sync the from the lowest level to the highest level we need to understand what the original scope was so if the um you know the low level designer starts working on something that's out of that scope we need to make sure the client's aware of it and say hey just so you know i'm going to start working on xyz this is out of the scope so every hour i spend on this we're going to have to negotiate afterwards where or this is the rate it's going to cost you be more straightforward with it or say we'll have to talk about it before we start that work so a lot easier to have that conversation then than it is when the project's been going for 90 days and it's over and you're trying to send that final invoice you're like oh by the way in month one we spent 100 hours working on this part of the thing that you requested that was out of the scope pay us for it most clients are gonna laugh at you and be like no we had no clue that was going on and so the big thing about scope changes and scope creep is, is the communication throughout the process and the big thing there is making sure everybody understands what the scope was and understanding who's the one to have those conversations and to have them quickly and timely that's that's the biggest thing that, that Um, I think to, that I've seen be effective with trying to reduce those type of write downs. Yeah, for
0: sure. And the transparency, I think also that we give our uh, project managers is going to really help out in determining, um, you know, that average bill rate, making sure we maintain that average bill rate. Because oftentimes our project management team really have no idea what our effective cost is. So there's really no way that they can actually, you know, if you don't know that there's really, it's really hard to determine, you know, really what, you know, if you're on the right path or not. You know, they're just looking at hours, but as we all know, everybody's hours differ. You know, my hours is gonna be more, is gonna cost more than, than uh, you know, somebody right out of college's hours, you know, that type of thing. So it's important to understand what the, you know, the overall, you know, the, the it's basically the transparency of it's really important. Now, there, there is a way of getting around that without actually opening up the playbook when it comes to, you know, how much we're paying everybody on the team, you know, because you may not want the project manager to know that, uh, and you can use that average bill rate. And, and Jamie, if you could explain, you know, how you would walk a client through u- utilizing that average bill rate to determine job profitability,
1: I think uh, that'd be pretty valuable for the audience. Yeah, for sure. So it goes back to what um what Jody mentioned before if you understand your costs, you understand how much you're paying um your employees, and you understand what it takes for a job to be um, profitable within your organization. Then that average bill rate is all you really need to know. So if I know I'm paying my employees on average fifty dollars an hour, um, obviously you need to take into consideration there some utilization. But um you know let's just say that fifty dollars an hour equates to one hundred twenty five dollars an hour average bill rate. That's the starting point. And then again, if you use that as your starting point and you say I know I. I need $125 an hour, but I priced this one at 150. You understand you priced that one at 150 and you're going to get a little bit higher than that um, 50% gross profit. And so that's all that your PM needs to know is how am I doing on average bill rate throughout the project? And for them to do that, it's super simple. They just need to know how much revenue they've earned and how many hours they've worked. So that that's they at any point in time, they should be able to calculate, okay, if it's t and I've worked this many hours on it, I can take it out of harvest and calculate how much revenue I've earned. And then right there in harvest is also how much billable hours you have. You can see what your average bill rate is at any point in time. And then I think the second part of that, which I always recommend too, is don't just do the average bill rate now. Okay. So as of day 10 of the project, our average bill rate is fine, but also do it at the end of the project. So all of your PMs should be able to lay out you know, a planning document, whether it's in harvest forecast, 10,000 feet, or just on a spreadsheet, they should know that this is what it's going to take for me to complete this project. By the end of this project, this is where I'm going to be at. And that comes into really important when you're talking about those fixed price projects, because yeah, at any point in time, you're going to feel like you're doing okay, unless you throw in those, you know, two completion hours. And then you really know, okay, wow, at the end of this project, if we keep going on the pace we're going right now, we're only going to get $99 an hour on this project. That's not good. We need to either Talk to the client today. We need to change something. We need to change the team on here and be more efficient or do something to get that rate back up, because if not, we're gonna have a pretty significant write-down. Oh, for sure. And so
0: can you can you kind of walk through what, you know, you know, how we do our revenue rack when it comes to a flat fee project? Because it's fairly simple with a time and material, right? Hours build, yeah. you know, hours build equals, you know, hours work, you know, that type of thing. But how, how do we do a fixed fee project? Um, and let, let's say that we had, you know, I don't, you could throw a number out there, but you know, you're tracking hours as you go, and then, you know, how's the revenue determined, I guess?
1: Yeah. So there's a couple of ways to do it. And um, again, we've we've talked about this in presentations before. So if you ever have a chance to speak us talk or see us talk, we'll go into this in a little more detail. But it really just depends. You want to try to tie that revenue to when it's earned as best possible. So one of the easiest ways to do that is if you have milestones. And so every time a milestone is achieved, you know that um you've earned some part of revenue. And again, milestones aren't always equal, but let's just assume it's a $150,000 project and there's three milestones. You can take $50,000 once that milestone is achieved. Achieved. And again, if you're halfway through a milestone, you can kind of estimate it there. But you know, milestones is one way to do that. It's pretty, pretty simple, pretty basic, but it gets you close. And so that, that's one way to do it. But again, you have to have again milestones aren't tied to, to hours, right? They're just simply when the project's completed right. divided by right. when okay. certain levels are completed. Yeah. Yep. So if you if you know stage one when you kind of do the. Um, Basically, the discovery, once you get done with the discovery, you're 10% done with the project, then you can recognize 10% of the revenue. And then stage two is once you um, get the phase one done and you are presented to the client, that's that's phase two. Phase three is you know going back and doing the, the cleanups and that's another 50% or however you want to break it down. If you understand the phases of the project and know that they mean we're X percent done, then you can use that to recognize the revenue as opposed to the hours. Okay. So that, that's one way to do it. And I think, yeah, that's probably the simplest way because that's the way a lot of people think. The other way to do it, and this is kind of what I was alluding to earlier, is if you as a PM understand what percent complete you are, then you know how far your revenue is. So if I have a, if I have a schedule and I know a project's $200,000 is a total project and I can see how many hours I've done and I also have a, somewhere document how many hours it's going to take for me to complete, I know how far along I am on this project. So if I put in, if originally I thought it was going to be a 2,000-hour a project and I've put in 1,500 hours and I'm only 50% complete, obviously I'm behind because 1,000 hours would be that 50% complete that I think I'm at. And so that you'd have to put that $1,000 on there and say, okay, I can really only recognize uh, 50% of this project or two-thirds of this project, which means I'm behind. And so it's basically just understanding the whole pro- the project as a whole and knowing what percent you are complete and just using that to do the revenue so actually it's not that complicated if you're just looking at that at a project in total is how much time do i have left how much time have i put in and what percentage am I at? So then you can just know, okay, I'm 60% of the way done, 60% of a $200,000 project is $120,000. That's how much revenue I'm going to recognize. And then divide that by your billable hours and you can see exactly where your average bill rate is at. Yeah. So so it's a little talk, hard to talk about this without oh, slides. Oh, yeah, for but sure. <laughs> for sure. But you know, the best I you know, but I, can, but so. I
0: think that's pretty clear. The, the, the one thing there's, a you can have a twist to that. What, what a lot of our our team will do is they'll, um, on the percentage of complete, they're going to actually go with actual hours up until... 70% of the projects complete and then start actually uh, breaking it out as a percentage because o- often a lot of times you know we we underestimate or overestimate in that first part and it's really tough because you're in the first part of a you know million dollar engagement or first part in a $300,000 engagement it, it's really tough to determine hey am I 25% am I 30% uh, so a lot of times we'll just go strictly by hours and then once they get to that 70% or 65%, then we actually break it down as a percentage of complete. So we can, you can do both. If we're really good at, av- if we're really good at estimating that first part, or if we got some sort of milestone or some sort of indication that 25% is done, then we'll go that route. And if we don't, uh, we'll just use strict hours, like Jamie was saying, and, and we'll, we'll just go strict hours all the way through, and then start breaking it down and start starting to have a write-off t- typically towards that last quarter. And that's probably the most
1: conservative method of doing it,
0: in my opinion, uh, as waiting at that point.
1: I think the, the key there too is, is just knowing. Um, the sooner you know that you're gonna have a, a write-off, the easier it is to go to the client and talk about it. So again, you don't necessarily need to know in terms of dollar amounts, how much the write-off's gonna be. But if, you know, in that first third of the project, it's just, it's going out of control and they're asking for a ton of scope changes and you just know that this project's going backwards. You, you need to talk to them then instead of wait until that fourth quarter. Oh, so for sure. I agree. sure, for sure. You don't necessarily need to know how much revenue you have or your average bill rate, but you need to know if you're falling behind or ahead. 100% <laughs> Agree,
0: hundred percent agree. And so I, I'm referring more to the revenue rec than I am actually the job yep. profitability in that regard. And if you're ever under like an audit, and I'm talking about like a financial statement audit where you've got to do your audit once a year, um, being more conservative and doing it at seventy percent is going to going to be more favorable to the auditor than if uh, you're recognizing a lot of your revenue up front, which could be a, a bad thing. Uh, so make sure that you know the situation and understand what uh, you know who, who your audience is. If you're not an auditor, if you're not if you're you'll never go under an audit, and it's, you're just worrying about the uh, the IRS. Well, the IRS is going to want the revenue being recognized a little differently. So make sure that you're really consistent and it, you're you're recognizing revenue to your audience for the most part. And just try to stay in, in, in what we call gap accounting if you can. But I know a lot of people um, won't have the uh, accounting acumen to actually stay exactly within that. So you know, like I said, try to stay. As close as you can to when the revenue is earned and you should be okay
1: for sure yep okay so i'm gonna take a quick second here to throw our email address out um so the emails have started to pick up which is nice Is now i know we have listeners out there with questions for us but um wanted to throw it out there so people know um again we want to make this show for the listeners so if there's any topic you want us to talk about any questions you have specifically or even if you want to be a guest we'd love to have you on here and kind of talk through your issues individually so that email address is vcfo at summitcpa.net Again, vcfo at summitcpa dot net. Um, so, kind of last topic here, Jody. For you is um, so you mentioned we talked a lot about write offs. So, what about write ups? So, if I have a twenty percent write up, is that is that a great thing? Do I need to do change anything about about my business? Is there any level where I should start worrying about write ups? Um, on the flip side, of that. yeah, oh,
0: definitely for sure. I, I think write-ups are probably equally as bad as as write-downs, and and that's going to come as kind of a, a weird statement to say because you're actually making more than what what you would of you know what what you would have charged. What that's telling me is you're probably not charging enough, and there's probably a lot you're leaving out there, you know, that you could have actually charged even more on. Uh, so maybe instead of if, if it's a con- if it's a one-time deal, that's cool, no big deal, no change there. But if it's a constant thing where you're constantly writing up, then you, you're probably Really want to start quoting a little bit more. Quoting uh, a little bit more, getting bigger deals. Um, I think that's a big sign for, for that.
1: Yep, I agree. And the other part it gets tricky with is your capacity planning. So if um, if you think a project's going to take 3,000 hours over the next three months and it only takes 2,000, then obviously you're having people sit on the bench more than you should. And so you can be making additional revenue. And so that's the other part of it too. Is both write-ups and write-downs mess with your capacity planning, but write-downs specifically means you are leaving you are still leaving revenue on the table in terms of people's yeah, hours not being And
0: kind of to now. Jamie's point, it'd be kind of interesting if you did it and you find out, oh, we're having write Write ups on everything, but I'm not hitting my gross profit margin. Um, again, yeah, exactly right. what Jamie's saying. You know, can that, that can definitely happen. You're, we've got a lot of bench time, and the bench time is eating your gross profit. So it could be equally as bad as as it could as a write down, um, if not uh, managed properly,
1: for sure. Great. No, I think that's a, that's, that's a great point. And I think that's both of those things are equal. Cause I think I've had a lot of clients come in and be like, Oh, look at all these write-ups I'm getting and they're celebrating and I get it. It's nice to beat your estimates on a project, but when it comes to planning the whole company and you know, your pricing model, like both of those things are obviously off if you're having a lot of write-ups or write-downs. Yeah. You know, and, and there's
0: another thing too, you know, w- when looking at the different type of work you're doing, you know, if I'm, if I'm actually doing a lot of service work where I'm actually, you know, you know, where, where it's retainer based service work, you know, I'm gonna want I'm not gonna want a whole lot of write-ups during that time. You know, I'm gonna to wanna to make sure that I spend maybe even more time in that service work to make sure I, I at least build what I'm what I'm there because you know, do the extra leg work for there and you're gonna have a client forever. If if your goal is on your service work to to get it done as quick as you can and get that highest margins you can, you're gonna probably lose clients. And so I think it's really important to maybe even overserve a little bit on your recurring revenue work. And I think you're gonna come out in the long run for sure. And I'm not saying take a loss or anything like that. I'm just saying make sure that that write up, write down is within five to ten percent as opposed to having fifty percent write up because you didn't have a whole lot to do this month, so you didn't do anything. You know, that to me, that it goes a longer way if you're actually spending money, maybe doing a couple extra things for that uh, that client that maybe you wouldn't have done, or you know, do a little you know, little perks. I think that's gonna go a long way in client retention and client relationships.
1: Yeah. And I, th- I think we had, I know we had a podcast on recurring revenue, but this is exactly what Jody's talking about. It's like, you know, the, the reason recurring revenue is so awesome is because it keeps happening, it keeps recurring. So if you could make that recurring revenue, if you can make your recurring revenues average 24 months versus 12 months, then that's, that's what you want. And so if you sign up for that recurring revenue and then you're underserving them for 12 months, they're going to be like, wow, what are we paying for <laughs> with, with this agency? Like, you know, they're, exactly. they're only talking to once we get not there. So you want to make sure that you are, um, you're still paying attention to them. And in those months, they're not asking for much you know reach out to them say hey is there anything we can help with or maybe it's a time to do that patch that you've been thinking about or just that you know really track those hours on a monthly basis and know that okay last two months we've really had some write ups on this maybe this third month we should do something we should do something to make keep that client happy because it's the, ba- the value of recurring revenue is the time frame, for sure. not the not the dollar amount for sure 100% agree cool Joyce. any um final thoughts i think we've talked about a lot here and hopefully people are um taking notes quickly and getting this all out there but um any um final thoughts for the listeners I
0: would just say, you know, just make sure that you know what it is. Manage it on a weekly or monthly, at least on a monthly basis. Know what your average bill rate is. Know what your average bill rate is per project. It's a very important uh, tool that you, you have in your tool bag to to actually help your bottom line profit margin. So knowing how much it needs to be, managing it on a regular basis, and then making corrective actions when it, when you don't hit it. I think those are the for sure the key.
1: Yep, definitely. And I think the more people that know, the better. You know, I think you can't just, your PMs shouldn't be the only ones that are knowing. Your sales team should know, your CEOs should know, your CFO should know. Any, anybody within the organization should know what that average bill rate is because they all take part in it. Um, so I think that's the other part is just don't don't keep it secret. Don't keep it close to the vest because it is really important for everybody to know each project, how they're performing and what's causing For sure, so, for sure. Great. Well, I appreciate you joining me, Jody. And I think that was a really good topic. Yeah, thanks, Jamie.
0: Enjoy this episode? Visit our website at summitcpa.net to get more tips and strategies for achieving virtual CPA success. We're here to be a resource in this ever-changing
1: industry.